podcast world. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are talking to a former investment banker, now an integrative nutrition health coach, Hatha Yoga Instructor, as well as a Springboard Women's Development Consultant. Miss Kaylan Bartholomew. Kaylan, what is a Springboard Women's Development Consultant? Thank you for having me. So the Springboard Women's Development Program is a UK-based women's development program, and it's really um, was created for women by women to help develop some of the softer skills. We look at things like building confidence, um, assertiveness, and things like that. And it was really designed to close that wage gap between men and women. So we got the license. I work with Momentum Consultancy. So I'm a licensed trainer and we got the license for the Caribbean about two years ago. And it's really a phenomenal program. I mean, it's been done by over 250,000 women in over 40 countries. So it works. So the focus was on closing the wage gap. When did this start? This, this is what, 19, what? Or is this, what, a recent program? No, the program has been, I forgot how long it's been in existence, mm-hmm. um, but certainly over 20 years, it's wow. been around and it's been updated and changed over the years. How do they close the wage gap? I mean, because it sounds like you, you're helping people be more confident and everything. Or is it that you're making them better negotiators? Well, that that's part of it, right? You need to have the confidence to be able to negotiate. But it's also a matter of seeing yourself in a different light. And so not necessarily seeing that ceiling and feeling like you can't break through that ceiling, but knowing that the world is yours and having the confidence to go and get it. Okay, so it's a, about a whole mindset kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of it is on mindset. It's also networking, right? So men have a way that they network very naturally. And I think for women, networking can be very intimidating. And so when you get into this group of women, it's a natural way to network. But it's also part of the program is about sharing skills and sharing resources. And people who've done the program do tend to stay in contact with each other. Some even become friends and stay friends for many, many years after the program. You started doing this after you became an integrative nutrition health coach. And I have an idea, but I'm going to let you explain because you're the expert. What is an integrative nutrition health coach? Yeah. So the springboard, I did start that while I was still studying to become an integrative nutrition health coach. And it's interesting how things just lined up for that as well, because I was not, I didn't even know about the program or the opportunity to become a licensed facilitator. But a good friend of mine, she was um, becoming a facilitator and um, she knew that I was really passionate about helping women to be healthy and helping women to succeed and be happy and really fulfill the purpose that they were created in this life. And one of the other trainers just dropped out at the last minute. And so there was a spot available. And so I really believe it was divine timing that that landed in my lap because it really feeds in very well with what I do as an integrative nutrition health coach. So an integrative nutrition health coach is really, I look at health from mind, body and spirit, right? So it goes way beyond the food on your plate and just the exercise that you do. And we look at things like your career, your spiritual life, your friendships, really how full your life is. Because if you think about it, if you, you know, you were in your, towards the end of your life and you were to look back and say, did I have a healthy life? You wouldn't just think about it in terms of your physical ability. And there are many people who might have physical challenges. They might be in a wheelchair or dealing with a chronic illness, but still in many aspects of their life, they're healthy and their life is full. And so it's a matter of really seeking to find balance in the mind, body and spirit, because we are all mind, body and spirit, which ties in as well to the yoga, because yoga the Hatha yoga. Yes. So the word yoga, and there are many different types of yoga, right? Um, so Hatha is just one type. But the word yoga itself means the union of the mind, body, and spirit. So it's a nice little um, ecosystem of mind, body, and spirit. So how do we get 
to that from spending 20 years in the lovely and fantastic career of investment banking? Yeah, so, you know, life is a journey, right? I loved banking. I remember when I was in Trinidad working in banking. At that time, I was in the accounting side of the bank. I was not a banker in the front office having client relationships. But I dreamed of working on Wall Street. And one day I won the green card lottery. And so I had the opportunity to move to the States. And so that was my intention. Once I moved to the States, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this Wall Street job. And that was a really, truly fantastic experience. And it really gave me, allowed me to see the world and to experience things that I would never would have experienced before. I worked in development finance, infrastructure and energy. And so it was really hard assets, which I loved, right? Because you can see, I worked on Mexico City Airport. It's an airport that I flew into and I know it. So I can see where my money was going. And I enjoyed working on things that, really contributed to the betterment of people's lives. And the part about banking that I loved as well was making the relationships because I worked on these these types of transactions that extended months, sometimes years before they closed and also had to maintain client relationships as a relationship banker. I really enjoyed that aspect of getting to know people and, and just Working with people one-on-one, that's what I really enjoyed. And so I took that into health coaching, but this really started with my own personal health journey. So banking, as much as I enjoyed it, Mm -hmm. it wasn't good for my health. It wasn't good for your health? It was not good for my health. How so? (laughs) Well, you know, I was under a lot of stress uh, between the hours that I worked, not getting enough sleep, not having any time to cook and prepare my own foods. Not that I wanted to at the time, to be honest. Uh, I was very happy eating out and just getting takeout. Um, but the, the foods that I was eating was not necessarily best for my body. And so I just started to develop a lot of health issues over time. Things like acid reflux, high blood pressure. I had really bad headaches, migraines. All that from working in the bank? <laughs> All of that, I would say it's not just working in a bank. It was also the way I dealt with the work in the bank. And now that I'm out of it, and because I've had that experience of working with it, I can help my clients to deal with that stress in a different way. I didn't have the tools at the time to learn to manage it. I always knew yoga somehow made me feel better. When I got to my yoga class, I just felt great. And I didn't know what that magic was, but I just knew that it made me feel good. But I didn't always get there because getting out of the office to hit a yoga class at six o'clock in the evening wasn't always possible. Sometimes I would go five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning classes, but that wasn't always possible when you come home at three o'clock in the morning either, right? Three o'clock in the morning. Oh, certainly. I mean, in New York on Wall Street, well, if I got home at midnight, that was a good night. We're like, okay, let's go out. Let's go lime, right? <laughs> Hang out. So yeah, so many, many nights. I had a sister actually living in Holland at the time when I was in New York. And I called her every night on my way home because she was already starting her day over there. Yeah. Um, so all of those um, years of, you know, not getting enough sleep, being under a lot of pressure to deliver results, right? Having targets to meet really took a toll on my health. And so even though I enjoyed it, it really started to affect me a lot. It also affected my relationships. So I have a a daughter who's now nine, but at the time she was a toddler and I was not spending enough time with her. And she definitely felt it and was showing me that I didn't spend enough time with her. So she was really had a lot of attention seeking. Well, I understand your daughters, you want to save you from the corporate world. Yes, definitely. I tell that to people all the time. If it wasn't for her behavior, I might have still stuck it out in banking. But I realized that I was losing a relationship with her because I just didn't have enough time to spend with her. So I really wanted to change that. I always wanted to be a mother. I grew up with a mother who was a teacher. So, you know, she was always around when I came home from school. Saw myself raising a child and not really having the time. 
So I knew I had to make a change. I just didn't know what that change was. And so I decided I'll give myself some time to figure that out. And in that space is when I rededicated myself to my yoga practice. And I said, well, I'm loving this so much. I want to know more about it. And so I decided I'll study to become a teacher, not initially planning to teach, just to deepen my own personal knowledge. And, you know, having the knowledge myself now, it's just too good not to share. I really want to share it and let other people experience the magic of it as well. What is the magic of yoga? What do people love about yoga so much? It's really that bringing into balance that harmony between mind, body and spirit. It's hard to say what it is. You know, it's no particular pose. It's no particular practice. It's just all of it coming together. I mean, it's and it's been around for, you know, centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and clears a lot of physical illnesses because it stimulates the relaxation response in your body. So it helps your body to relax and which helps to protect your body and mend your body from a lot of the stresses that you're dealing with. Sometimes we store emotions in our body and the actual practice of moving and the way that the poses are done helps to clear some of that emotional baggage. So there are many different ways of dealing with stress and to dealing with stuck emotions and past traumas and things like that. And yoga is just one of the ways. So you'd say yoga helped with your stress while working at the bank, all those hours and stuff? Was yoga something you picked up after you left the bank? I've done yoga for probably 20 years now, but I hadn't been doing it as consistently. And if I look back at all my old journals, I love to journal, but I tend to only journal when things are not going right in my life. So when things are going well, my journals are empty. So my journals tend to be a little bit dark because that's when I go to the journal, right? Okay. (laughs) But at the end, when after I finish processing, whatever it is I'm going through, my conclusion was always, I need more yoga. I need more meditation. I need more yoga. I need more meditation. So I've known that for such a long time, but I was taught to chase. So yoga for you was like what? Some substances are for some people like rum or, or marijuana or whatever. It's like that escape. It's not that an stress escape. Relief. It's actually, it's actually very different from that. Okay. Because it actually sometimes brings you face to face with the emotions or the trauma or that, that thing that you're hiding from. So it's actually definitely not an escape. Face to face, but that sounds uncomfortable though. Because sometimes that thing that you're facing is really, really dark. It's really, really bad. It can be uncomfortable, but it also gives you the tools to deal with it. Using your breath, right? As a way to work through the emotion, work through the discomfort. And that's why sometimes even in the postures, sometimes you practice some of it on the mat. You might hold a posture for a long period of time. And that can be very uncomfortable when you're holding it for a long period of time. But when you learn to be able to live with that discomfort, then you're not as scared to face the difficult emotions. There's something like meditation as well then. Certainly. I mean, yoga is a form of meditation. You just use, it's a moving meditation. Again, there are different types of yoga, so it all depends on what you bring to the practice. But I've also incorporated meditation as part of my personal practice as well. Okay. So you were very senior in an investment bank. So, I mean, I guess you were very gainfully employed, right? Now, I don't know how well paying um, yoga and health and nutrition is. So how did you go about Because I think this is important. A lot of people want to go about, you get these golden handcuffs, right? They have these well-paying jobs that they don't really enjoy that much, but they need to pay the bills, but they want to get out of that and do something they actually really enjoy. Something that really gives them that release, that mind, body and soul release that you get. How did you go about in a step-by-step format? How did you go about your exit? How did you do your exit? I'm sure it wasn't just one day like, hey boss, screw you, I'm out. Well, it was a little bit close to that, to be honest. (laughs) So I had known for about a year that I needed to leave my job. Again, Mostly because I wanted to spend more time with my daughter. Okay. The challenge with being in a very demanding job is that you don't actually have time to look for another job. So I knew I had to leave, but I I'd nev- I didn't update my resume. I wasn't sending it out. I was not doing the groundwork to actually find another job. And honestly, one day a message came to me again. I think it was God speaking directly to me. A message came you actually don't need another job. You can just leave and figure it out after. 
All right. And so I got that message in my head on a Friday afternoon. I went home because I was trained as an accountant. So I went home and I did a budget and I worked out how long my daughter and I could live because at this time I had split from her dad. And so it was just the two of us. So I worked out based on my savings. This is how long we can live. And based on his payments, his transport payments. Right, exactly. <laughs> and on Monday, I handed in my resignation letter. But I also gave them three months notice, right? So I gave them a little bit more generous time. Because you're so senior and it's very difficult to replace you. And we were also short-staffed at the time. So I was right. recognizing that. Um, but it was also three additional months of income for me. But once <laughs> I gave up the resignation letter, I was free, right? Because when we were talking about a project that was, you know, six months down the road, I was like, sure, I can support, but... I'm only going to be here for part of the time. Right. So it actually made things a lot easier for me. Those three months, I actually enjoy, probably enjoyed my job more than I had had before. So you're leaving your bank job. You're going to become a health coach. Did you decide to become a health coach at once or what did you do in the meanwhile? As soon as I left, I booked my calendar. I had all these interviews booked. My resume was updated. I sent them out. I did a lot of networking. Okay. I got another bank job. I would say within a week, I had an offer for another bank job that was actually guaranteed income more than what I was getting paid. And in the back of my heart, even though I knew it was a great opportunity, in my heart, I knew that it was just going to be the same situation in a new building. And the challenge with the new building too would be that I now have to prove myself, right? And start to build my own internal networks. Whereas in my old organization, people knew me. I had been working there for 10 years, right? So I had a little bit of a reputation. So I knew in my heart it was going to be more of the same, just with a you know different letterhead. So I knew I couldn't take that right away. But I really always intended to just get another job. But in this space, I decided, let me just see what, what it is I'm really passionate about. And um, yoga, as I said, I, I got back into yoga and I, I decided to sign up for that. Um, and even how that happened, the timing of that yoga teacher training was also amazing because I left my job in October of 2014. And my yoga teacher who I had been practicing with sent out an email maybe in December saying she was starting a new yoga teacher training in January. And I had actually wanted to do a yoga teacher training with her before. She hadn't done it for like five years. And because of my schedule, it was impossible to really figure out how I was going to get that done. So that really lined up. As I was thinking about what else I was passionate about, I was really had really gotten passionate about eating healthy because I was able to heal myself from a lot of different health problems by changing my diet. So some of those same stress-related illnesses I talked about, the acid reflux, even migraines that I had since I was a teenager, seasonal allergies, high blood pressure, I was able to heal all of that by changing my diet. And I had already started coaching people in the office and saying, you should try this. And I would bring some of my, my meals and share it with others and, and share recipes and give people tips. And so I had already started doing that. And I actually didn't even know that there was such a job as a health coach. Oh, you're just giving people advice. Hey, yes. I cut out meat. Right. So you just cut out meat too. Exactly. I was, I was saying, this is what worked for me. And I was really trying to encourage them and motivate them to take care of themselves and put themselves first and deal with their stress. I was, I was doing all of that. And um, in doing research online, I had actually looked as business coaching. That was initially what I had thought of, right? Because I've all these years experience working in business and banking, you know, as a banker for so many different industries, I can help people in business. This is something that I can it's do. something that was right in front of you. Right. It just seemed like the obvious fit. My mom was, is an executive coach. And so I'd known about coaching from that aspect. And so that was what I was looking at. And as I was searching for programs to become a business coach, then the whole idea of health coach showed up, popped up. And I was like, that's it. Well, that's like Google's algorithm. Just exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I want to do. And so I started doing research and, and looking at um, programs. And again, even still in the back of my mind, when I did the program, I thought it'll be a hobby. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I don't know if I can make a living out of this, but this sounds like a fun thing to do on the side. But both right? these programs, the yoga, the yoga certification program and this integrative nutrition certification program, they were very involved. I believe one of them was like 200 hours worth of studying. Yes. So they were very involved in terms of the actual coursework. The actual Work was all the internal work that it required. So it was a lot of looking inwards, introspection, becoming really aware of myself, identifying some of my own weaknesses, some of my own flaws and addressing those, some of the same emotional trauma that I suffered and just things that I held back, my own habits and behaviors. It had to, I had to look at all of those things as part of the process. This was like classroom thoughts or so? Yes. So the yoga teacher training was classroom taught. I was taught by a teacher here. The health coaching was done online, but we had a lot of online video conferences and so on. In addition to the video coursework. It's always interesting when people get you just to do that level of introspection and breathing and closing your eyes and everything. Yes. Just the um, other day I interviewed Shelly and Gachada Uh about finding your purpose. And after we did that interview, we did a a visualization exercise. told me to close my eyes and visualize things. And well, it was so crazy what I saw. It's like, you see what you always wanted to be, but you always tell yourself this is what you should be. Right. This is what you should do. Yes. You know, she says like the mind tends to obstruct what the heart really wants. Yes. And so it's getting getting to that heart, getting to your truth, your personal truth, not your mother's truth or your father's truth or what society expects of you, but mm-hmm. really get coming to who you are. And when I, at first, at the beginning of yoga teacher training, I was like, what is this about? I was like, I thought you're going to teach us how to instruct the class, how to, you know, give the instructions for the different poses and maybe take us to more advanced poses. And we got to that eventually. So we had to understand the history of yoga and, and, and things like that, the, the benefits, um, physiological benefits and the mental benefits and so on. But a lot of it was on uh, working on ourselves. And only when we are true selves, can you bring that to the classroom? Can you also bring that as a coach? Right. You have to really know yourself to be able to coach, because sometimes when you're talking to someone, mm-hmm they may say something that triggers some emotion in you. And so you have to be able to recognize that and still take yourself out of it, take your ego out of it and really create that safe space for your client. Yeah, 100%. This something you said a minute ago really stuck with me when you said that it's not about what society expects of you or what your parents expect of you, especially people who live in the Caribbean, you know, limited economies and stuff. There's so, so many limited opportunities. It's either like you, you need to fit yourself into a particular mood. Like, okay, you're good at math. You're good at numbers, whatever it is. You gotta be an accountant. You can be a banker. You can be an actuary. That's it. If you're good at science, you gotta be a doctor. You be an engineer. That's it. There's so limited in the, in the various things you can do. And it's so cool that now, recently, people are using the internet or people are using whatever tools available to them, thanks to technology, to go and do whatever it is they want. So just season two, I interviewed a guy who who specializes in mobile technology and, you know, and he's making a living off of that. So I think it's really interesting that you, you pointed that out. You're right. There are so many more opportunities and, you know, the internet has made the whole world open to us, even those of us in small economies. I think the challenge comes to parenting and, you know, as a parent myself, this is something that I try to be really mindful of because a lot of times we want our children to do what we want them to do, either something that we wish we had done, right, when we were younger or something that might look good for the neighbors or to show up somebody in the family, Right. We want our children to be a doctor, lawyer, have those titles. And it's not really about their own passions and their own interests. And I still see it now. You know, um, a lot of parents are still in that sort of a mindset. And, you know, for me, this whole spiritual path has really changed me as a parent as well, because I recognize that she's not my child that I own. You know, she's her own spirit. She has her own 
goals. She has you her own her purpose. <laughs> I created her. I was I was just a vessel through which she was born, but her spirit was there before me, right? Wow. You know, so yes, I'm here to guide and I'm here to teach. Um, but at the same time, she has her own purpose to fulfill. And that might not have anything to do with, you know, what I envisioned my child would do or anything like that. So it's really changed from that perspective. Okay. So passion is great, right? It's great that we follow our passions and everything. And we go deep into it. We invest in our passions. We spend our money to go and educate ourselves on how to be a yoga coach, how to be an integrative nutritional coach. But we have to monetize. Revenues always prove our concept. Right. So how did you go about monetizing these passions? That's a good question. Firstly, I had to work on my mindset because I found myself even struggling to say that I was a health coach. I just found it difficult because in my back of my mind, I say, Michaela, you're a banker. Just because you like to eat healthy doesn't mean that you're a health coach, right? So I had a lot of self-doubt that I had to personally work through. And they call that imposter syndrome. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of that I had to work through. And so what I did, I mean, the program really supports you a lot with, you know, getting out there and putting yourself out there and giving you suggestions and avenues. But I really had to start small. And that's what worked for me. Starting small, engaging people one-on-one. I started charging a really little amount of money. But tell me something. Did you, did you start by saying, hey, let me do this for you for free now? Of course, I did a lot of free work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did a lot of free work. And that was partially because I didn't see my own value. Yeah. Right? Even though I I personally had a coach and so I saw the value in having a coach, part of my mind was still saying, but a lot of the health information you can find on Google. So why do you need a coach? I still had those, again, those doubts in the back of my mind. So I didn't see my own value. But as I started to work with clients... And saw their transformations, saw the benefits they were they were getting for free. Then for free, then it gave me the confidence to go out and start charging people. I also started working firstly with friends. I actually think that that was not a good way to go because they were doing it to support my business, and I wasn't necessarily pushing them in the way I would a third party client. Were they paying? Of course not. Oh, initially, okay. of course not. I've I've taken payment from friends since. Right. Yeah, certainly. Right. Because it's now it is my business. You know, certainly there are people I would help, but um, I would take payment from friends. It's interesting how how much more seriously they would take it if they were paying. Exactly. Even just keeping appointments and things like that. Right. You know, if you're doing it for free, then people feel well. I can cancel today because something else came up. But when they pay, then it's it's a little different level of commitment. All right. So, Kaylan, you've proven your value. You've seen the transformation. You've gotten that warm, fuzzy feeling. Hey, I changed that person's life. I helped them achieve whatever fitness goals, whatever mindset goals. I helped them de-stress. I had a positive impact on their life. How will you go about spreading your word now? How did you get more clients? So I started off with a mailing list. So when I launched the business on September 1st, 2015, I started by sending out an email to my previous clients, my previous banking clients and my personal network. So that's sort of my launch as well as launching on a Facebook page. So I've grown my business a lot through Facebook. I do use sponsored ads on Facebook and um, through growing my mailing list using um, lead magnets. But I also Really, a lot of my business comes from referrals. So yeah. after I've helped someone, you know, their friends will notice. A large portion of my clients come for weight loss goals. And so their transformation is evident. Right. And so, you know, their colleagues will ask or their family will ask, their friends will ask, what are you doing? Something's working, right? And so then they will refer clients to me as well. Okay. So... Advertising on Facebook. Now, I mean, it's not that easy. I mean, it, it is easy in, in terms of operationally, but in terms of doing it the right way, in terms of figuring out, okay, how to target, who are my customers? How do I find my customers? What are they looking for? How did you go about doing that? Again, I had a coach that really helped me with 
especially marketing side, because, you know, any business aspects, I'm, you know, I was pretty solid on that. But I was used to market doing, I mean, I had to sell as a banker, but I was selling an organization, right? That had a reputation and had all of these products that I could, you know, as a salesperson, I could solution. Yes, but I was selling a solution, but I already had a suite of products that I could pull from, Right. right? Whereas now I'm marketing, I'm really marketing myself. So again, in addition to working on my mindset, figuring out how to help my clients understand why they need a coach. Because again, the term health coach is something that's relatively new. So a lot of people didn't even know what it was. So being able to educate around that, um, but it really helped. How do I help them to get the message of the benefit that they're going to get from working with me? Okay. That's really important. So how do you get people to decide, hey, I need a coach. Other than show them before and after pictures of your previous clients. Yeah, I actually don't use before and after pictures at all. My philosophy is focusing on health and making healthy choices. So the weight loss is sort of a byproduct of that. So no 90 day weight loss challenges. So I don't do any sort of program <laughs> that focus on that. Because Get that carnival body. A lot of people will make decisions that are not necessarily best for their health, but will achieve the weight loss result. You like those weight loss pills I took in 2017? Exactly. Exactly. I also went down that road of taking weight loss pills and drinking teas that had me giving me the shakes, all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You drink like five liters of water a day to (laughs) combat that. Right? When I was coming home for carnival because I wanted a quick fix. Um, But I don't focus on quick fixes. And I've had people come to me I'm getting married in a couple of months. Can you help me? And I said, I can help you, but I don't do quick fixes. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to have to work with someone else. But it's really about helping people to recognize, listen, I know what to do, which is what most of my clients, they know what to do. They know they should eat less processed foods and eat more vegetables. And they know they should drink more water. They know they should exercise. So all of that is things that they know already, but they're not able to do it consistently. That's where a lot of the work is. Yeah. You know, I I spend very little time talking to my clients about food. Very little time. It's about what are the obstacles keeping you back from doing the things that you know are better for you. Do we always know what's good for us though? Like, I'm still not sure what food I should be eating. Like, I like meat, for example. I don't like vegetables. Right. Who's to say that really and truly I should be a vegan? Well, again, I think that is an individual thing. I I really don't believe in there's one diet that works for everybody. I actually don't even like the labels because sometimes people label themselves as a vegan and then one day their body tells them that they need some fish and they're like, oh, I can't eat that because I'm a vegan. I really believe in listening to your body. And this is where the yoga really ties in really nicely to this um, as well, because the yoga practice makes you more in tune with your body. But when you're listening to your body, your body is very intelligent. Just like how you're breathing, you don't need to tell your body to breathe, right? Your body knows how to wake you up. Your body knows how to absorb the nutrients from your food and take what you need and excrete what you don't need. Your body knows how to do all of these things. You get a cut and your body makes a scab. So it knows how to heal. So we don't necessarily have to tell our body. We need to be able to listen well, that's the to the part. wisdom that's of the our body. Part. So our body doing our whole thing, but our brain across here saying, hey, what's going on? I am sad. I need ice cream. I feel for KFC. I just worked out. Our brain is over here rationalizing one set of bad choices. How do we tune in that? And that's where a lot of the mindfulness comes in because you need to have a a certain level of self-awareness to know that this need of ice cream has nothing to do with my body saying it needs. My body doesn't need ice cream, right? I'm trying to drown my emotions right now in a tub of Haagen-Dazs. And I still sometimes have those callings, right? I know when I'm starting to feel for something like ice cream, that it's some emotion, either that or something I'm putting off doing. For me, sometimes it's a little bit of procrastination. So I'm going to want to hide. But when you have that self-awareness, you're able to catch it and interrupt it and decide and then choose and not automatically reach for the haagen but choose and say, is this what is best for my body right now? Maybe what's best for my body right now is to go and journal and maybe that will help me to process whatever emotion that's causing me to want, feel for ice cream in this moment. 
I mean, we've relied on our minds for a lot of things. And, you know, for somebody who, this was me growing up, right? I was praised for having a brain. I was praised for being a bright child in school and, you know, being a problem solving work. And so I, I got a lot of praise for, for my brain and my mental capacity. And so when my mind comes up with a thought, I just automatically believed it. And now I realize that my mind is not always right. And who, what I really need to trust is my heart. Your heart. Yeah, my heart, my truth, my spirit, right? What is really true within me. And my heart knows that, yes, that ice cream might taste good right now, but it's not the best for my body because tomorrow I'm going to feel sluggish and uncomfortable. Or I might, I might feel happy. For some people, they might feel happy, but sometimes it's short-lived. Sometimes it's that short-lived. Again, we live in this society where we want instant gratification. And that's what food and alcohol and drugs and those things will give us. It gives us that instant gratification. But if you look at a long term, right? So there's nobody on their deathbed who says, I wish I ate more ice cream, right? They say, I wish I took better care of my health. I wish I did more exercise when I could have moved. Right. I wish I just ate a little bit more vegetables and cut down on that meat just a little bit. Right. That those are the kinds of things that they they wish. They, they never wish that they ate ate more KFC. Right. Well, actually, I mean, I don't want to go all morbid right now, but you just you just brought up a memory. I, I remember when my dad was about to pass away and the doctor gave him a day to live. I mean, he said he just wants different types of ice cream. And me and my sister, who you know very well, we went to the supermarket and we got in some ice cream. And he was happy eating his ice cream on his bed, you know, and the next morning he passed away. So, I mean, it's really, it really is interesting. And today I was listening to another podcast on this food therapist. And she's saying that, just like what you're saying, that these cravings is really our emotions seeking satisfaction for something. So to control these cravings, you have to control our emotions. Well, I like to use a different word because it's not a matter of controlling actually we, we want to release control it's, it's because we're trying to control the emotion is why we need to reach for something because it's hard to control but we need to allow ourselves to feel the feeling we have to allow ourselves to feel sad we have to allow ourselves to feel shame we have to allow ourselves to feel angry right a lot of these things again we're not taught right when you're crying as a child right stop crying don't cry hey, you want something to cry for <laughs> either that or we pacify them and we'll say hey have a cookie because we don't like to see our children sad we want them to be happy all the time which is unrealistic and so we we actually trigger those emotional eating from children even when my daughter got her first set of shot her shots as as toddlers you know she got a shot and she got a lollipop right so here get a shot and you're crying and here's a lollipop to make you feel better and so we started from there but we and again this is where practices such as yoga such as mindfulness really help you with being able to feel uncomfortable in that feeling process it and then move on I forgot the um, length of time a feeling actually stays in your body, but it's like less than a minute that a feeling actually stays. It's your mind playing over the situation that causes a feeling that allows you to stay in that, in that zone for a long period of time. And so, yeah, you want to be able to work with your mind and calm down your mind, but not, not this idea of control. It's not that idea of control, but it's just to just work with it. That's really helpful. All right. So we want to get into your business. Is it spirited natural? Yes. Right. So we understand that you have three different programs. You have a revive, renew, restore. You got a thrive for kids and you have a nurse program, which is about to be replaced. Yes. It's a new program. So let's start with the revive, renew, restore. I love, I love alliterations. I love the um, three hours. 21 day. So this is sort of the quick, easy, I wouldn't say easy, but it's sort of the introductory program. It is more or less what I did for myself when I was able to cure myself a lot with a lot of my health challenges. So on this Revive, Renew, Restore 21 Day Detox program, 
what we're doing is we're supporting the body's natural detoxification processes by eating the foods that help our body detox. So eating things like a lot of green vegetables, eating probiotic rich foods that support a healthy digestive system. And then we're going to eliminate the foods that clog our body's detoxification organs. So things like alcohol, which puts a lot of pressure on your liver. So alcohol is bad for you? I don't like to classify any food as good or bad. Alcohol in excess is not good for your body. Oh, excess. Okay. Yeah. Alcohol in excess. I don't drink in excess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this program, you're really trying to, there are points in time where you may want to not consume alcohol if your body needs some sort of healing. Right. So if you're going through some sort of illness, you have any hormonal imbalance, you're getting pains in your body, just not feeling right, then abstaining from alcohol for a period of time is probably going to be beneficial to you. So that's one of the things we'll eliminate. We'll eliminate things, processed foods, sugars, which again are very taxing for the body's detoxification processes. So uh, and a lot of people say, why do we need a detox? Because our body does that all the time. And That's true. Our body just naturally detoxifies all the time through many different organs and systems. However, the foods that we're eating now just put so much pressure. I mean, with all these artificial colors, these artificial flavors, preservatives, the human growth hormones, and then the air we're breathing is much more toxic. The water... Right, we're eating things out of plastic containers that's leaching into our food. Um, the meats have human growth hormones in them, so that affects the dairy as well as the eggs. Right, so our body is getting a lot more external substances that foods that it can't recognize, and so our detoxification systems can get overloaded. And so you might start to feel achy joints or headaches or fatigue is a is a big one skin breakout. So lots of different things might give you the signs that you need a little break. So when I had done it myself, I did it as a a one month program. Personally, um, I offer three weeks because, you know, most people are not willing to commit for long term. And and three weeks is something that most people can say, I can do this for three weeks, you know, for a period of time. And the results have been phenomenal. I mean, people lose weight, but that's not really what it's about. It's really about starting to recognize in their bodies, the foods that work for them and the foods that don't work for them. Because again, what's going to work for me is not going to work for you. Like meat does not work well in my body, but it might work well in yours. Yeah, and absence that's okay. of meat does not work well for my body. Right, exactly. And so it's about being able to recognize that and really just start developing the healthy habits. It's really focused on eating real food, preparing your own food. That's a big part of it eating a lot of vegetables. And so even when people come off the program and they reintroduce meat or other things that we may have eliminated, they still are able to keep some of the healthier habits, just even in terms of meal prep and adding more vegetables, drinking more water and things like that. So I understand there's a community aspect to this as well, as well as a secret Facebook group. <laughs> so the secret Facebook group, that's our community. And um, that's what really where the, the love happens, right? Because everybody at, at the beginning, it's challenging, right? Um, just mentally getting, coming um, to terms with giving up meat for three weeks is can be challenging for a lot of people. Some people come into the program like you, not liking vegetables. And <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell them, Fill half your plate with vegetables and they're like, what? I can't do that. As long as you fill the other half with meat, I'm good in. (laughs) Well, not only meat. So (laughs) we'll talk. (laughs) Exactly. So that community aspect is good because you know, you're not in this alone. Sometimes some people have the support at home, but others don't have the support at home. So they're doing this on their own and their significant other might be, you know, bringing in pizza and cake and things like that. So having that community is helpful. Um, the other thing that's why it's helpful is that I don't have all the answers, you know, so I can share some recipes and I could share things that work for me. But I also get some really good advice from other people in the group, like things that work for them. And, you know, so that might be something that works for somebody else, you know. So like I personally like to cook a lot of one pot meals. That's what I like to cook. Um, But other people might want to do things a little bit differently or might be cooking for family and need to do things differently. The sharing has really been helpful for people to 
not only know that they're not alone, but for people to see that just having a community and making sure you have that support and accountability, knowing you have a group that's going to be looking for you, asking for you, just helps you to stick with it. Okay, so you had a program called Nourish, which is a group coaching, which I guess is similar to what you were saying before. No, actually, no, that's you coaching a group. So the Revive Renew Restore is a group coaching program, but it's really primarily focused on food, right? So it's really focused on how do you put together your plate and again, eat any foods that are going to support the detoxification process in the body. But as we discussed before, a lot of health has nothing to do with the food on your plate. That's only like one small aspect of it. And so the Nourish program was about how do you nourish your mind, body and spirit. So is it really like the the food on your plate is really a byproduct of everything else? They're intertwined because honestly, if you're eating the right foods, you're better able to manage your stress. You're going to have better relationships, right? So they're all interconnected, but the, the reverse is also true. If you have a strong spiritual connection and you make sure you do your self-care, then you're more likely to eat the foods that are good for your body, right? So they're all, again, it's the whole mind, body, spirit connection to the harmony and balance between all of those things. So this group coaching program really focuses on all of the other aspects of your health. And so that's changing now to a program called You Can Be Consistent. Because what I've found and I've just been hearing from so many people, I know what to do. I can't do it consistently. I start and I go good for a couple months and then I fall off. And so um, You Can Be Consistent. I actually have an ebook with that same name. I'm very interested in that ebook. Yes, I will um, share that link with you. But The program is really designed around helping you to clear the obstacles that are standing in your way of doing the things that you know are good for your health. And that's really what the focus is. But that could be applied to life in general as well. Certainly. And that's, you know, it's funny, even the the, the detox program, you Mm -hmm. know, clients have said that, you know, this has changed the way I see not just the food on my plate, but changed the way I see a lot of things in our life. Because yes, a lot of it is life-changing. Things like setting goals, really getting clear on your goals, making sure those are your goals again and not society's goals, Mm -hmm. right? Having a positive mindset that's going to affect everything in your life and making sure the other things in your life, thinking about what makes you happy. You know, sometimes I ask a client that, what makes you happy? What do you like to do when they can't answer? because they spend so much time on their job or taking care of their family that they've completely lost themselves. So how can you be healthy if you don't even know what brings you joy? Yeah. Okay. So before listeners have to wait till the end of the podcast to go and pull up that link for that ebook, I'm really interested in just giving maybe two to three or four tips on being consistent with a diet that you know is working for you and not just aborting it come March or July or whenever your carnival is or whenever your photo shoot finishes or whenever you don't need to fit into that dress or that suit anymore. Yeah, so I would say the beginning really starts with getting clear on your goals. So sometimes people have this number. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 50 pounds. Or by this birthday, I want to be this target weight. And where does that really come from? Why is that number so important? How is like your life going to change when you achieve that? And when you start to ask people those questions, a lot of times you realize that that is not really their goal. It's not really that important to them. And so really getting clear on what is important to you is key. Getting clear on what it is, why it's important to you, how your life will change and start visualizing as you were talking about that visualization exercise that you did, but visualizing success, seeing yourself when you're healthy and you have the energy to play with your kids, seeing yourself without that chronic pain that you've been living with, seeing yourself wearing those clothes that you have hanging in your closet that you haven't been able to fit into for a few years. So really visualize it and understand the impact, how that's going to change your confidence. And with that confidence, what's that going to mean? Maybe you get a different job. And maybe you start a new relationship. Maybe you start going out more and doing the things that you kept yourself back from because 
you know, you felt uncomfortable in your, in your own skin, right? So that's one place that I always like to start is getting clear on goals. And some people, some people have a challenge with that. They still come back to this number on the scale. And that's not about it because sometimes people hit that number on the scale and they're still unhappy because it's not really about the number on the scale. Because you hit that nominee scale by depriving yourself for a short period of time for a short-term goal. And really and truly, the next day you want to go back into that addiction. You want to go back and get that fried chicken, that ice cream, that milk chocolate or whatever it is. Okay, so I mean, I, I love that practical way you say, hey, visualize that success and imagine that success. And that the satisfaction of that achievement will exceed the short-term satisfaction of that craving that you will have for that addictive food or substance or whatever it is. That's that's really cool. So let's just touch on Thrive, the, the kids' health program. Yes. Because a, a lot of listeners have some young kids and it'll be very useful for them. Yeah. So I designed Thrive because I had a challenge with my daughter getting her to eat healthy foods. So I started off doing all the things right when she was a toddler and, you know, pureeing beets and pumpkin and all these different vegetables. And she was eating all of it, even things that I, I still was not eating at that time, even though I had started eating a lot healthier. And then she got to the age of two and she started to just say no, 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 no. Oh, she could speak for herself now. Yes. And that became a challenge because, you know, I just wanted her to eat. And so then I started giving in. I, I, made, a, I made a mistake many parents make. So let me just give her something that she's going to eat so that she eats something. Right. And so we came down to eating mac and cheese and peanut butter and jelly basically every day. Right. Um, so a, a couple of fruits here and there. We're getting the fruits in, but the vegetables, those were all gone. And so I did a lot of um, research and work on myself and tested a lot of things out on her as well to try to change her diet back to a more real food, whole food diet. And so I really wanted to create this program to support parents in that journey, right? Because you can read articles, you can read books, you can attend a workshop, but again, it's one of those things where having the support is really very useful, knowing that you're not alone and having that support to keep trying different things. Because this is not a short term program. It's something that takes time, right? To build habits and getting kids to try new foods, right? Because they'll just decide that they don't like foods. So getting them to try things and all that, it takes time. And so I wanted to create a program that gave that space where parents could come together and share, but also followed over a period of time so that they can see the results of some of the tools and techniques that they've been trying. So you speak about support and I want to kind of segue into support for you, right? So what kind of support do you have running this business? Because we spoke a little bit before the show, you said you're a one-man show. I know you mentioned that somebody helped you with your social media marketing, but what else? I mean, how do you scale it? Because I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that you have to be there active every day, coaching, drilling, whatever it is, to make sure that you could um, generate that income and take care of your of your very healthy daughter. You know, so how do you scale this business? How do you set up this business so that you could make that passive income for you while you take a nap? <laughs> That's a really good question, and so it's. Something I've been exploring as well personally. So I really decided that I didn't want to lock myself into a business model at the beginning. I was just feeling my way around, right? So I started doing the one-on-one -on -one health coaching because that was the easiest for me, working with people one-on-one. -on -one. That also became a little bit of a challenge to make an income. So then I moved into group programs, right. which again, it's more people to the same one hour that I'm spending or hour and a half or two hours. But I also do corporate wellness programs oh, as well. Yes, I have corporate clients right. as well. So the group programs, um, also doing things online has allowed me to expand a little bit bigger because some of these programs, like Revive, Renew, Restore, started in person. And so just getting a space where, you know, it's convenient for everybody to join, that was challenging. So now I do it online and I use Zoom as my platform to do my um, webinars. So that's kind of been how I've been growing. 
So now I'm at this stage where it is getting challenging as a solopreneur trying to, you know, send out my newsletter and do Facebook posts and run Facebook ads while programs are going on at the same time. See my private clients that I still see. So juggling all of that, I also have a do a weekly column in the newspaper. So I have to make sure I keep that up as well. Nice. So you push yourself out there as a person of influence in this space. Exactly. So kind of where do I go next with it is still a question mark. There are different avenues I can take. Um, certainly some recorded programs is, is one way that I've seen some things done, but I have to still figure that out. So what kind of advice would you give to your former self? So in essence, what would you have done differently just throughout your career? The scene where you are right now, what would you have done differently? Honestly, I would say nothing because I really believe that every stage of my life, I was where I needed to be at that point in my life. And so, you know, I started off in accounting. That was what was comfortable for me. And I started there. I was able to move into banking, which was my dream. That was really something. I mean, I really was like, oh, I really hit it. You know, I dreamt of working on Wall Street and here I am. And then I realized, okay, it doesn't feel so great anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a little rough, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was good, but it was it was rough. Yeah, so I really feel like at every stage, I was where I needed to be. And not that I did everything perfectly. There were lessons along the way, but they were lessons and part of my personal, spiritual, emotional growth. And so I, I really wouldn't change anything at all. Kaylan, this has been excellent. So where can we find you? Facebook is usually the best place to find me. My page is at Spirited Natural. And I also have a website, spiritednatural.com. And um, yeah, that's usually... Oh, you have a website. Place. I do have a website. <laughs> I do have a website. So all that's part, Professional, of, eh? well, part of the work that I've, I've been doing myself as well, that I need to get a little support with as well. <laughs> okay. Is there anything? I'm going to give you open mic, open platform, open forum to say anything you want to say that we haven't covered as yet. I think this was a really great podcast. So thank you very much. I love the questions and the direction. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, The direction, the direction that you went with the questions. Um, I would just say that, you know, I think that the way that we are trained in school we really grew up believing that we need to do everything ourselves. And so we kind of have to do it all and I can handle it and I don't need to get support. And I think that that's just a load of BS, right? Okay. It's a load of BS. Right. We all need support. We are all connected. Like as human beings, we're all connected. So trying to do things on your own is not going to be the best way. And so whatever it is you're doing, whether your personal goals, your professional goals, really getting support. And I would say I really love the concept of coaching because for a long time I was like, why does anybody need a coach, right? That's what your friends for, right? Your friends could coach you. But the reality is your friends are not always going to challenge you. And so they will just leave you in your comfort zone. And sometimes you need somebody to push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. You need a challenge network. Exactly. Somebody who will challenge you. Somebody who will let you know when you're in denial about something. Somebody will hold up a mirror and, and show you some of the things that you're running away from. I think that's very powerful. And, um, you know, if we're not growing that we're going to die. And so you have to just continue growing and it's not always easy. It's very uncomfortable, you know, and there's sometimes I'm like, can I just go through a few months where I'm not growing? I just want to stay right as I am. I just want to lie on the couch. Yeah, exactly. And just go through everyday life. But, you know, we don't know how long we're going to be here. And life is to be lived and to be fully enjoyed. And so, you know, my mission is really to just make people healthy and happy. That's it. So that they can fulfill the purpose that they're here to create, um, to fulfill, create what they have to create and connect with who they have to connect with. You know, so don't do it alone. That's really my final word of advice. Don't do it alone. Reach out and get help. Podcast will. There you have it. Health 
is wealth. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, thank you, Keelan Bartholomew, Integrative Nutrition Health Coach. It's been my pleasure. Podcast World, Cabin Studios, we are out. 